You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? Happy New Year. You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft. And this is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. First of all, I'd like to thank each and every person for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. And in this case, your first listen of the week. But more importantly, your first listen of the year. I hope everyone had a happy, happy holidays and you're safe. I mean, I've seen so many people across the world testing positive for COVID. And to me, it's just crazy because I was living in China at this time in 2020. I remember going home to the States at the end of 2019 for around Christmas for a wedding. And when I got back to Beijing, it was literally like two years ago at this time, I was told that there's a flu or some virus going on. So it'd be wise to wear a mask. And here we are two years later, and I am still wearing a mask. But thankfully, I've been COVID free for the past two years. This virus has definitely had a major major impact on the world it's had a major impact on lives and it's even making basketball an afterthought in some situations but this is a basketball podcast so I guess it's a safe zone to talk about how COVID has impacted basketball globally if you're a person that follows Woj or Shams on Twitter then you've seen like literally every 15 minutes you're getting you know messages like for me personally I have them I have my notification set so I can receive alerts from them. And I promise every 15 minutes I'm getting alerts saying that a new NBA player or coach, even referees, are entering the health and safety protocols. And as of January 2nd, there were 104 players out due to health and safety protocols. What? 104. So this COVID is just... I mean, it's just had a crazy impact, not only on the NBA, but college games are getting canceled. I was in Spain last month, and games in Spain are getting canceled. I've relocated here to Greece, and I think as of yesterday, all the domestic league games here in in, in Greece were also canceled because players and coaches and team staff members are testing positive for COVID. I mean, this this is crazy. Like I said... It's, it's it's the second year. It's it's year two, and we don't really seem to have a, a handle on it. As far as, like, the NBA and scouting, I mean, I'm, I'm missing games to scout, and oh, then college no. games are being canceled. Even though scouts aren't having the same opportunities to watch guys in person, it's kind of like an opportunity to show off how deep your scouting profiles are because teams are having to call up guys that would never have opportunities to play in the NBA. I mean, like some of the rosters now are mixed with guys that didn't even play summer league. That's that's how crazy it is. So with all the players out and NBA front office execs and their scouting staffs, I mean, they're digging deep into their profiles to find replacement players. And for me, I consider myself a... NBA draft junkie, um, no, no pun intended, but someone that follows college basketball. And and I'll be honest, I have no idea, and I've never heard of some of the guys who are not only getting called up but are playing and starting for, for different teams. 
a few players are getting signed due to proximity. Not saying that they don't deserve a shot, but if you're a G League player and you're located in a major city or near a major airport, you have a good shot of getting a call and possibly playing that same day. And to be totally honest, I don't see how this changes for the remainder of the season and, and even next season. I mean, if we haven't figured it out in two years, I don't see how much is going to change. I know the league has decided to shorten the the, the time from 10 days to like five or six days. But I still think there's going to be a bunch of players coming in and out of different rosters. I mean, you're going to see teams that by the end of the season have 40 guys that have suited up and played minutes. So with that being said, I've decided to spend the last few weeks looking for players who I think could potentially be two-way candidates or guys that I think will go undrafted but could eventually see NBA minutes. And I'll start off with point guards. And Kendrick Davis is the, the first one that comes to mind. Now, he, he could get drafted. I, I don't really see him on different draft boards, but he is quietly one of the best point guards in the nation. Davis is a 5'11 senior from SMU, currently averaging 21-5-5, and but shooting 38% from three. Now, he's a smaller guard, so his height is going to be held against him because, again, he's 5'11", and he's a senior, so people may not think that he has the same upside. But he is, I mean, like I said, he's one of the best point guards in the nation. As far as his game, he's poised and patient, always plays under control, has good court vision, is a, I mean, he's a good scorer. I mean, the 21 points per game speaks for itself. He's a, like most small guards, a good pull-up shooter. So he's someone that you have to respect his his quickness, but you have to respect the fact that he can shoot it from three, and he can score at three levels on the college on the college level. I love the fact that he has what I call the quick stop and pop jumper. What I mean by that is when he gets the screen, if the defender or the big is playing drop coverage because he doesn't want him to get to the rim, he has the ability to stop on a dime, pull up, and and just knock down you know mid-range jumpers. He like most small guards. I mean, it's hard to find a small guard that isn't creative, but he has the ability to create space with his pull up, has step backs, a shifty handle, and again. Like most small guards, I mean, like, for example, if you're a big, you have to prove that you can't play. And if you're an undersi- undersized guard, you have to prove that you can. So he has the the toughness, the mental toughness, and just the mentality to go out and dominate despite being the smallest player on the floor, which is something that I always like. I love how he gets downhill. He's not afraid to play among the trees he's tough to defend in space which I think with the NBA game there's a lot more spacing than it is in college so if he does have the opportunity I think he could really do some damage there as far as being a passer he's not one of these undersized guards that is all about scoring Um, he makes good passes he he makes good reads and he's an excellent rebounder. Five rebounds per game at 5'11 is pretty pretty incredible he takes good care of the ball and he's someone that you can put the ball in his hands late in games because he shoots in the high 80s from the free throw line. And even if he's playing off the ball, if, he's, if there's a situation where he has to you know, play a role where not necessarily playing the two, but he can play off the ball. He's a good shooter with his feet set. If there are some concerns, I would say that he's not super, super blazing fast. 
and he does have a tendency to pick up his dribble in the paint, but I think a lot of that has to do with the lane and college being so congested. But I like Kendrick Davis. I don't know if he's going to get drafted. I think that his size and being a senior is going to be held against him. But I think that he is someone that could be a candidate for a two-way role and eventually just kind of make his way in onto an NBA roster. So I think Kendrick Davis is arguably the best like point guard in college basketball. May not be the best NBA prospect, but as far as just the way he's dominated college basketball the last couple of years, I, I think you can make a strong case and say he is the best point guard in college basketball. All right, before I get into the next player that I'd like to talk about, I want to discuss Built Bar. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, then you know all about Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions, and if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure that you include a Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar, and actually, it may be even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it a lot easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes good and you want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or as my friend Jackson Gatlin says, tastes like cement. Built Bar is 100% real chocolate. So if you want to eat healthy and you think like there isn't any healthy food that tastes good, then try Built Bar because like I said, 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs and 17 grams of protein. Now compare that with a candy bar and you usually get 240 calories and 30 grams of sugar and a dozen net carbs. So here's an idea for you. Wherever you keep your secret treat stashes or your secret pantry where you have all your your candy, whether it's in the car or pantry, throw all the sugary calorie filled candy bars away and replace them with built bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's actually healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good. There's many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, many more. So go to Built.com, use the promo code and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order at Built.com. Thank you for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen. But for your next listen, I'd advise you to check out the Locked On Now podcast. Locked On Now gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from my local experts. So listen to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. The next prospect that I want to talk about is, in my opinion, the most impressive and creative passer in college basketball, Taron Armstrong, 6'5", freshman point guard from Cal Baptist, currently averaging 10.8 points per game, 7.5 assists per game, and 6.5 rebounds per game. Now, he is a freshman, so he could come back next year. But if I am him, or I'm managing him, or I'm part of his advisory committee, I would definitely look into testing the waters just because I think that he provides something that teams are always looking for. He is like a, I mean, an impressive, impressive passer. And it may be a lazy comparison, 
and it's lazy simply due to their similarities in their geographical birthplace. But I actually see a smaller version of Josh Giddy. By the way, Josh just became the youngest player in NBA history to post a triple-double. But Armstrong and, and Giddy both have, I mean, they just both possess this incredible feel, court vision, and confidence. I'm big on confidence. I think, I mean, confidence is the key to to your success. And I think it just takes an elite level of self-confidence to play with the flash and flair and or just even attempt some of the highlight reel passes that Armstrong fires across the floor. Like Giddy, he's you know, he just appears slow and unathletic, but at the same time thrives in a fast paced open court system. And I mean if you haven't had a chance to watch him, just type up his name on YouTube and just check out some of the passes that he makes. I mean, live dribble passes, hook passes, one-hand skip passes. I mean, just the confidence and creativity is is pretty impressive. Um, one of the things that I also like about him is he has good size at 6'5". Now, he's not as big as, as Giddy, but he also is a, a, a good rebounder. Now, i just talk about his passing for a little bit. Like I said, excellent vision. Excellent touch and timing. He throws passes from all angles with creativity. He has this ability that usually here talked about in quarterbacks, but the ability to pass his teammates open. He knows how to pass it to a spot where only his teammates can get the ball, especially out of pick and roll. He does a good job of manipulating defenses with his eyes. Like, I mean, there are times where it, it looks like he's trying to hit the roll man. But at the last minute, he is seeing the, the guy in the corner for the three. I mean, I can just go on and on about, about his passing. Now, as far as his ability to score, it, it's funny because in my notes, I have that he slowly somehow finds a way to get to the rim, which is the best way to describe it. He's not going to get there with this blazing fast or, or just this quick first step. It's just kind of like he walks into the lane. Like Kyle Anderson. You know, Kyle Anderson, known as slow-mo, somehow he's so slow with his moves that, I don't know, it's like the defender is anticipating him getting to a certain spot. But by the time the defender gets there, Kyle isn't even there yet, which kind of throws the timing off of the defense and Armstrong has a little bit of that in his game. Now, if you've been following my podcast, you know I love post play. And Armstrong likes to post up smaller guards. And surprisingly, even though he's slow, he's got a little bit of dance and, and boogie in his ball handling. What I mean by that is a little shiftiness, a little, you know, just advanced ball handling. And even though I keep saying he's slow, he's actually a better athlete than he looks it's kind of deceptive there are a few plays where he's got some dunks in the half court and you're kind of like all right this guy who looks like he can barely get into the paint without a pick somehow gets in the lane and and he'll finish strong and make a play above the rim but that's I think that's just all part of him being deceptive and like I said he's a better athlete than he looks he has a high assist to turnover ratio despite the fact that he's such a a gunslinger or a high-risk, high-reward passer. And he shows some flashes of being able to create his own shot, which is mostly 
um, due to his ability to kind of shift defenders with his ball handling. But overall, he is a player that has this flair that excites crowds, energizes teammates. And I mean, I imagine he would be fun to play with. As far as some areas of concern, it's like when I watch some film, teams don't respect his speed and they press him. And as a point guard, like one of the most disrespectful things a team can do is just like to pick you up full court. Either they don't trust your ability to get by a guy or they don't trust your handle. And I saw that in a few of his his games, but I mean, it didn't really have too much of an impact. He does have a tendency to hunt highlights, which is, you know, what, what you're going to get when you have such a creative and confident passer. His shot selection can be a little bit off, and then overall he's just not a good or efficient shooter from three. But overall, I think Taron Armstrong is someone that if he doesn't get drafted, I think he's definitely worth a flyer for a team to invest in as a two-way guy and someone that you can can definitely develop because at worst, maybe he could end up being like a Ricky Rubio type player. So he is someone, like I said, I haven't really seen on a lot of draft boards. I have seen his name coming up in different NBA Twitter pages and, and, and profiles, but I haven't really seen him on draft boards. But Taron Armstrong is another player that I am pretty high on. All right, another player that I think could make his way onto an NBA roster. He's not a point guard, but he is one of the most freakish athletes in all of college basketball. It is Tavion Kinsey, a senior from Marshall. I mean, crazy, crazy bouncy athlete, makes plays high above the rim. He's very explosive off of two feet. He's long. He's rangy. He shows some offensive creativity off the bounce, but I don't think that would be his role. He is someone that likes to prefer to shoot the mid-range pull-up, has a decent motor. And if you look at his stats, he collects a lot of rebounds and assists. He's an effective cutter. He's actually a pretty willing passer with solid passing instincts. Kinsey is currently averaging 19 points per game, 5 rebounds, four, nearly 4 assists, just a shade under, 3.9 to be exact. He's shooting 41% from the floor. Now, the shooting is it's it's weird. I've never seen this. This is his fourth year. He's a senior at Marshall. As a freshman on two attempts per game, he shot 35.7% from three, but only 66% from the foul line. As a sophomore, it went down to 26% from three, and 68% from the foul line. And he took 2.3 attempts per game from deep as a sophomore. So then last year as a junior, which was kind of like his breakout year, he averaged 19 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, shot 53% from the floor, 41% from 3, and 81.8% from the foul line. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, He's due for a huge, huge breakout senior season. I mean, just from the jump that he made from a sophomore to junior, the field goal percentage went up four points. The three-point percentage went up like 15 points. And then his free throw percentage went up about 13 percentage points. So, again, 19 points, six rebounds, 53, 41, 82 shooting splits. This year, 
he just hasn't had the breakout season that I expected. It could be because he's playing 37 minutes per game, which is a heavy load. But he played 37 minutes per game last year, 36 minutes per game as a sophomore. And the percentages are, I mean, get this, 41% from the floor, which is a career low. But he's only shooting 17.8% from three on three attempts per game. The free throw percentage is down, but it's at a respectable 76%. But I just, I mean, it's just hard to figure out if if he has good shooting touch because the numbers are all over the place. I've never seen a situation where over a four-year span the shooting percentages are just up and down. I mean, he went from 35 to 26 to 41 down to 17. Maybe he's in a, a shooting slump, but even like – I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just tough to figure out. But overall, I think that he is someone that could crack NBA roster. Now, as far as the concerns, he's a tough shot taker. His shot selection is something that a little bit questionable, and that could be due to the fact that he prefers the mid-range shot, which is normally contested shots. Now, as far as his athleticism, he just doesn't get all the way to the rim, despite the fact that he has a decent handle, shows some ability to create his own shot. And because he doesn't get all the way to the rim, I think he settles for the pull-up, kind of similar to Devin Vassell in a sense. And when you watch his film, his, his game is not like visually pleasing. He's a little bit wild, tendency to play out of control. He struggles with jumping off of one foot. I think he would be a dominant finisher if he were able to be a better finisher jumping off one foot and then even though like the passing numbers are good his passes don't always seem to be on time and on target and I think overall like in order for him to really have an opportunity to stick in the NBA of course he's going to have to be more consistent with his shooting touch he'll need to tighten his handle and just overall his game looks better on paper than in film but the game is played on film so Tavion Kinsey is a, a player that, again, I I was higher on coming into the season. Maybe the numbers were even out. I mean, we, we still have half the season left, but he's someone that has been somewhat disappointing to me due to his struggles as a shooter. But overall, like I said, I think that he has an opportunity to be a two-way player, be a G League player, and someone that could eventually get called up. And simply because I just... And maybe I'm just not being optimistic here, but I think next year is going to be similar to this year. I think teams are going to have to really have a a, a deeper scouting list, a, a, a deeper list of players that that they believe could come in and, and contribute. Because if you just look at how things are going, guys are literally coming off the streets and, and playing major minutes. Like, you know, it's just... I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Some teams are preferring to sign veteran guys. You know, your guys like Isaiah Thomas, Greg Monroe, Lance Stevenson, Mario Chalmers, Joe Johnson. Some of those guys are getting signed. But I think that is more so the minority. I think the majority of teams are looking for younger guys that, I mean, basically it's like a mid-season summer league showcase, G League showcase in a sense for some of these unknown guys to get an opportunity to to make a name for themselves and some may stick I mean I think we're going to find two or three guys during this season that are going to end up sticking and having decent NBA careers for this opportunity and so that's why I wanted to start digging a little deeper start talking about some guys that 
aren't as highly rated on on most draft boards that I think have an opportunity. Well, that wraps up this episode. So thank you again for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day, first listen of the week, and in this case, the first listen of the year. Now, make your second listen or your third listen, Locked On Bets. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and it is available on all platforms. Also, check out NBADraftJunkies.com and also my YouTube channel. I just did a video on a guy, Leonardo Okiki, who I think could be the biggest sleeper prospect in this draft. I have different video breakdowns there on my website and on my YouTube channel. Once again, Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, and I am out.